For those of you who were here this past Friday for our Good Friday service, you'll remember that when we exited, we exited the sanctuary in silence. It was, after all, a service that called to our attention the passion and the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we remembered the final words of Jesus from the cross. It is finished. And that's how his closest disciples felt as they stood there watching their friend, their teacher, their Messiah die an excruciating death on the cross. It is finished. Their hopes and their dreams that they had placed in this man, hoping and believing that he was the one to come who would save Israel, hoping and believing that he was the one who would point the whole world toward God. Those hopes and those dreams, they were finished. I invite you this morning to put yourself in their place. Consumed by their grief, they, they left and they, some of them went to their homes and some of them gathered together in secret to try and console each other and, and try to make some sense out of all that had happened. As you listen this morning to the resurrection story, I invite you to put yourself in the place of Jesus' closest friends and his followers I want you to think about what it is that resurrection means to you. Do you believe? Do you understand that that Jesus calls your name and knows your name and and that this is personal for you? And, And does the resurrection have any claim on the way that you live your life today? As we begin in the Gospel of John, early On the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their home. Mary, you see, was convinced that someone had come and stolen the body of Jesus. And so it was that she ran back to tell the disciples, and John and Peter raced to the tomb to see for themselves. And, and when they got there, they saw the grave cloths lying there, um, but lying there 
not as though somebody had unwrapped a body and tossed them down, but lying there as if a body had just left them and they were lying right there. Certainly, if someone had come to steal the body of Jesus, they would not, they could not have unwrapped and rewrapped those cloths lying just the way that they saw them. And, and then the wrappings that covered the head, well, that had been unwrapped and laid to the side of the other. We're told that John waited outside at first, fearful, perhaps, of, of entering into the tomb, but Peter bold, impetuous Peter. He ran right in, just what we would expect Peter to do. And then John also entered, and we're told in Scripture that he believed. One moment he was grief-stricken and confused, and the next moment his eyes were opened and his heart was filled with unspeakable joy. He believed. What power there is in those words. He believed. The man who stepped away from the tomb was not the same man who entered into the tomb. He believed. And yet, he didn't fully understand, we're told. He didn't understand the scripture and how that pointed to resurrection. I think that's for us, the beginning of resurrection faith as well. We, but to believe the evidence that Jesus rose from the dead and yet to lack that understanding of, of what that means for us personally. As we go back to the scripture, I want you to imagine with me now that you're the person of Mary Magdalene. You've waited for the Sabbath to be over so that you could go and grieve at the tomb of your friend and your Lord. So I invite you to listen for the next part of the Scripture. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look in the tomb, and she saw two angels dressed in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Mary Magdalene, as she approached the tomb that day, was certainly going through a deep amount of pain and confusion and sadness. 
John and Peter, when she had gone to tell them that the body was gone, had raced back to the tomb, and as she turned around and followed after them, by the time she got back to the tomb, they had already looked in and left. And so once again, when she got back to the tomb, she was alone in her grief. Her eyes were no doubt blinded by her tears, and finally she looked into the tomb And when she did, she saw the two angels sitting where the head and the feet would have been. And the two angels spoke to her. And yet she was still so overcome with grief and so confused about the events that that she was going through that, that she asked the angels who had taken the Lord. And even when she saw Jesus standing there, she was so blinded by her grief, so blinded by the fact she was coming to look for someone who was dead that she couldn't even recognize Jesus as he approached her. It wasn't until he said her name, Mary, that suddenly she recognized him as Jesus You see, she had felt all alone at first, even standing in the very presence of Jesus. She couldn't understand that it was Jesus or see that it was Jesus because she was looking for something that wasn't there. There are times in our life that we too may not feel the nearness of God. We too may feel confused by all that is happening around us. We may be bewildered by a life that suddenly doesn't seem to make much sense or cut to the quick by people who have been unkind. At times like that, I invite you to listen as Jesus calls your name to remember that God is with you. Remember the resurrection. Remember that Christ has conquered death and lives again. Remember that in him we too are called to newness of life, both now and forevermore. We remember what it is to have faith, to believe that God can do what we cannot do, and to act like we believe it. Mary stepped away from the tomb that day with a message for the disciples, I have seen the Lord. That's the message of Mary, and that's actually the message that each Christian actually carries with us. Because a Christian essentially is a person who says, I have met, I have seen the Lord. Being a Christian doesn't mean knowing about Jesus, it means knowing him. It doesn't mean arguing about him. It it means meeting him and have the certainty of an experience that Jesus is alive. It is Easter, friends. In the midst of pain and darkness, the light is again shining. God has moved in an absolutely unique way in the resurrection of Jesus There's no longer any way to simply claim that that Jesus was just a good teacher or that he was a prophet or or that he came as a role model for a new ethics system, although, of course, he was all those things as well. Today, the claim is made, the outlandish claim is made 
the claim that is made that is the reason that we are assembled here this morning, the claim is made that God raised Jesus from the dead, that the fallen Jesus has become the saving Christ. If you were an amen congregation, I would say that would be a great place for an amen. (laughs) You can laugh nervously. It's okay. (laughs) And Jesus calls your name. Will you hear him? Will you respond? We continue with the story of that first resurrection morning as told by John. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus had not fainted or and then somehow revived himself and then shoved the the rock away from the tomb. His body had not been stolen. He didn't appear just as a ghost to his believers. This wasn't some sort of group hallucination. None of those can even begin to explain the change in his followers from that moment on. From defeated, grief-stricken, fearful folk to proclaimers of his resurrection and the reality of his presence even at the expense of their own life. You see, at Easter, God did something completely unique. The power that we fear most, the very power of death, itself was defeated at Easter. Another great time for an amen. The crucified Savior has become the risen Lord. I'm just going to start amening myself, I think. (laughs) Easter, you see, means that that even when we lose someone that we love, that God is stronger than death. Easter means that we don't grieve as those with no hope because we have the sure promise that as Christ was raised, so shall we be raised in the last day. Easter means that even when we face our hardest times, even on those times when we don't seem to have any hope in a joy-filled future, that God has the final word, and that final word is life, not death. Peace, not turmoil. It is a future filled with hope that nothing can extinguish Not bombings of churches in Sri Lanka, not burning down of churches. Nothing can stop that kind of a power. Easter means that there is no length that God will not go to in order to show us and to show all people that we are loved, that all are loved. And the love of God cannot ultimately be defeated 
Easter means that the powers and the principalities of this world have already been defeated, even if they don't recognize it yet, that Jesus Christ has won the battle, and in him we have life in the midst of death. I not only believe in Easter and the resurrection, I am staking my life on it. Friends, Jesus Christ is risen He is risen indeed, and Easter means that we, like those first disciples, have been given the breath of the Holy Spirit and sent into the world to share the good news of the risen Savior with both our words and our actions. Friends, I invite us this day to believe to hear Jesus call our name, to respond in love, and then receive the Holy Spirit and be sent to the world who needs to hear this message. We serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. And may our lives reflect this belief in a risen Savior. Let us pray. Holy God, Lord, we thank you for the miracle that is Easter. Renew in us, Lord, an Easter faith that we may be your people sent into the world that needs so desperately to hear this message of love and hope and life and forgiveness. May we believe it. May we act like we believe it. Amen.